Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Eddie Walk Podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. Good morning. We're going to go back to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. And we've been reading this every week for the last four weeks at least, and we'll do it for another six. And that's okay. Because now we are finally to the point where we're talking about what we are to put on as Christians. We've talked about over the last several weeks what we're to put to death and what we're to take off. We talked about how we are holy and beloved. And now that we've taken all that stuff off, put that other stuff to death, we can't go around naked. We've got to put something on. It's like a, a spiritual or lifestyle makeover, huh? Remember all those shows from the early 2000s? First it was extreme makeover and you'd have those people go through those extreme uh, surgeries or cosmetic work and they looked one way at the beginning then they looked totally different at the end. Or you'd have the rundown house and then Ty Pennington and, and his buddies would fix it up and at the end of the show they would gather the family outside then on the count of three they would say, Move that bus! Yeah. Similar thing. We're going to look different after that stuff has been put to death, after we've taken off all the anger, rage, malice, and other things Paul wrote about. But we're going to put something new on, some new digs. And what I think happened earlier this week is when we reset everything, it reset my lapel mic, and I've noticed I've been cutting in and out. So, Garrett and Jim, I'm going to turn off my lapel, and I'm going to pull up the pulpit mic. That way you can hear every single word I say. (laughs) Colossians, chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 to 14 together. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
You used to walk in these ways in the, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We're going to talk more about that later on in the message. The new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And Lord, I thank you for how you dress us best. Because... The virtues we put on are who you are. We're like you because we're putting on characteristics of God. And Lord, I pray that as we live out our lives for you and compassionately serve others, that you will continue to work through us. Lord, I know you will. And you'll continue to draw people to you so you can do in them the work you have planned. Lord, I pray that you just uh, bless the rest of this service together. Bless the message I'm about to preach. Lord, I pray that we would open all of our hearts and our ears to what you have for us this morning. And not just this morning, but each day ahead. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God has a reputation in the Old Testament. It's a positive one. In fact, it's something you see over and over and over and over again. You see it in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17 at first. Then you see it like three more times in that chapter. Jonah chapter 4, verse 12. Jonah was saying, God, I, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew if I did what you said, you would be who you are. We see it over and over again in Psalm 86, 15, Psalm 103, verse 8, Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. All those references say the same thing about God and His character. It says this, God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Where did that reputation come from? How's, how's God known as, as that? 
compassionate. Well, it comes from God Himself. The first time we read about God's compassion comes in Genesis. Pardon me, Exodus. Exodus chapter 22, verses 27. And it's funny because what's all of Colossians chapter 3 about? Putting on new clothes. And what does God do in Exodus chapter 22, verse 27? He talks about clothing somebody. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Don't get distracted there because it's interesting reading. Exodus 22. I want to pick up in verse... 25, it says, If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not be like the moneylender and charge them no interest. If you take pledge, or if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it to them by sunset, because his cloak is the only covering he has for his body. What else will he sleep in? When he cries out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You see, back in those days, if there was a case of financial need, an Israelite would go to a person with means for a loan. However, in order to make sure that the loan was repaid, loans would often have collateral. In the case of poor people, that's on, isn't it? In the case of poor people who, who really didn't have a lot, they had to offer a valuable item as collateral, as a guarantee that the loan would be paid. So poor people would often offer the most valuable thing they had, and that was their cloak. Now, a person's cloak was, uh, was there because it was an outer garment that served as a garment during the day and then a blanket at night. It would protect a person from the cold and keep him warm at night. I like my blanket, don't you? If the cloak was taken and not returned, then what would happen? They'd be cold. They'd be exposed to the night cold, because there's something different about night cold, huh? God's saying, I will have compassion on that person, because that's who I am. And that's not the last time we hear about God saying He is compassionate. There's, there's a great account of Moses actually being in God's presence. You might remember about hearing it. After he was in God's presence, his face shined with the glory of God. It happens in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. So if you just flip a few pages, you'll see what I'm going to read. Exodus chapter 34. Moses has just chiseled out the, the new rocks for the Ten Commandments, the new tablets, and now the Lord's going to come down and be there with Moses. And when he shows up, he says something. It picks up in, in verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud 
and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Do you see where Jonah and Nehemiah and the psalmist and everybody got their idea of who God was? It's right there. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And then what does God do? In His love and grace and compassion, He fully reveals Himself in the person of Jesus. Boy, somebody likes shooting their gun out there. That's so distracting for a guy who likes to shoot guns. Hey, we're starting a new series in Right Now Media. A guy by the name of Louis Giglio. I believe he's a pastor down in Georgia. He teaches about Colossians. So it goes right with the sermon series we're doing. And in your personal devotion time, I encourage you, throughout the month of October, take 10, 15 minutes. There's six or eight sessions to watch Louie talk about Colossians and see how the Holy Spirit ties it in with the message on Sunday morning. If you're not sure how to get right now media, reach out to me or Erica and we'll help you out. I mention that because Louis made a great point in one of his devotionals. And you know, in His love and compassion, God the Father sent His one and only Son, Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 1, Paul tells us who this Jesus is. Listen to verses 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or authorities or powers. Man, you got to watch those P's. Here's the kicker. All things... And what does that constitute, all things? All things. That's exactly right. All things. All things. That means me and you and anyone ever conceived and all things were created by Him and for Him. Don't overlook this. Right there is the meaning and purpose of everything. The how and the why, right there. Everything was created by Him and for Him. That's deep, isn't it? Right there's the purpose of life. We were made for Him, by Him. And then Jesus, who right there, Paul clarifies and makes sure you know 
Who was there creating all things in the beginning? Jesus. The J's aren't so bad in this mic. Jesus! The one who created it all came to us and was with us. And while he was with us, he showed compassion. Jesus' compassion is revealed in the healing stories we see in the gospel and the provision stories. You read about it, and every, almost every time you read about it, you come across this word, spelanchia, or spelanchna. There's a lot of pressure when there's a seminary student out in the, out in the congregation. I'm just joking, Abriana. Iron sharpens iron, right? I told her the other, the other night when we were visiting and hanging out, I said, you've got to correct me if I ever get my Greek or Hebrew wrong, because that's what you're studying now, and I'm 20, 30 years removed from it. You can brush up a little, but only so much. Anyway... When you read about the feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew or the feeding of the 4,000 in Mark, we're told that Jesus had compassion. How about that? Like father, like son. That spelanchna, that compassion was deep-seated emotion. Now, what do we say nowadays? How, how, oh, Lord, I love you with all my heart. That's where the seed of the emotions are in our culture. It wouldn't be too, too romantic if I said, Oh, Lord, I love you with all my bowels. <laughs> it's just not the same, is it? We laugh, but <laughs> yeah, we know when we really feel something in our gut, when we're deeply moved, sometimes disturbed, where do we feel it? In our gut. And that's the kind of compassion Jesus felt for the people in need. Right there in the entrails of the body. The deep, intense emotion in the gut. He felt deep compassion for the plight of the people. He saw a need and he directly met it. He did what he could do. Jesus got in the mix of things and he had to fix things. And I don't want us to miss what it's saying in Colossians 3. He's inviting us, calling us to be like Him. That's something else, isn't it? When He's saying, put on compassion, He's saying, be like the God of the Old Testament. Be like the God of the New Testament. By the way, He never changes. He's compassionate. But there's a danger there's a danger in our culture, in the culture's past. There's a danger. There's a constant temptation to see compassion as a noble act of self-sacrifice. I want to make sure you're up with the hip language this morning. And I promise I won't embarrass my girls like I did a couple weeks ago. 
If you missed it, I was talking about how... So they got this lingo, and lingo changes, you know. And anyway, I'm not as swole as I should be because I quit working out. That, that's what the girls or the young people say if you're buff and got muscles. You're swole. Yeah. Anyway, did I say I would not embarrass them? I'm cool. It's all right. No, you know what people do nowadays? They've done it all throughout the history of people. They virtue signal. Let me tell you what virtue signaling is. It's actions or a practice of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or the moral correctness of a person's position on a particular issue. Now, we see it on social media all the time. They, they might post something on there just so people think they're awesome. Oh, they're good people. But there's no substance to it. All they do is just put something out there and that's it. It's called virtue signaling. I have a feeling that the Pharisees used to do some virtue signaling. I have a feeling Jesus had something to say about that. He did. And I want to read it to you in Matthew chapter 6. Sermon on the Mount, verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before people, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by people. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what you have done in secret, will reward you. Now, we don't do it for the rewards, but we don't do it to be seen by other people either. How does that really help those in need? Then, yes, I'm going to go here with this. But I think our world's deceived. And you know, when it comes down to it, everybody worships something, huh? We either worship God or we're going to worship something else. Anytime we worship something else other than God, it's going to be other than God. Man, there's lots of deep thoughts this morning. But sometimes in our culture, there's this trap of activism. We're going to do something because we can solve it. We're going to do something so others think we're good and we feel like we've done something good. Sometimes the mindset of activism is that we have to do something because the world depends on us. 
And that's a lie of the world. I'm not saying things can't be changed. I'm saying God's the one who can do the changing. He can do it in it and through us, but the world doesn't depend on us. I've been reading a really good book to prepare for this morning. And I've got to read you a little bit of what I read because it's so good. It's so true. So if you want to get it on Amazon, it's called Compassion. It's a good book to read for a sermon on compassion, huh? But listen to what Henry Nouwen says when it comes to compassion. He warns us about the temptation of activism and thinking we can solve the world's problems, that it depends on us. He says, the most important resource for counteracting the constant temptation to slip into activism is the knowledge that Christ and in Him everything has been accomplished. This knowledge should be understood not as an intellectual insight, but as an understanding in faith. As long as we continue to act as if the salvation of the world depends on us, we lack the faith in which mountains can be moved. In Christ, human suffering and pain have already been accepted and suffered. In Him, our broken humanity has been reconciled and led into the intimacy of relationship between the Father and the Son. Our action, therefore, must be understood as a discipline by which we make visible what has already been accomplished. Such action is based on the faith that we walk on a solid ground even when we are surrounded by chaos, confusion, violence, and hatred. Is it okay for a preacher to say that the work that Jesus did on the cross is sufficient? That He solved all the problems and all the love problems in this world are solved in Him. Not that we shouldn't do anything because the Lord did not call us to be pew potatoes. We're called to be compassionate, to put on compassion, to be like the Lord, to be like Christ. And what do we know about Christ? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Have you seen anybody on TV who thought equality with God is something they could grasp? I better be careful. But Christ made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross so what are we to do 
The answer is right there. Jesus came as a servant, right? He came to serve. What else was he? He was obedient. Obedient. Jesus had a humble obedience. Now hold on to your socks because you're really going to be impressed. Sometimes a preacher uses Greek. Sometimes a preacher uses Hebrew. I want to give you some Latin. Because the word, the English word, obedience, Henry just gave us the okay, nobody's been shot. (laughs) The English word obedience comes from the root word Audir. A-U-D-I-R-E. It sounds like auditory, doesn't it? And that word audir means to listen. Obedience, as it's embodied in Jesus, is a total listening. A given of the attention to, without hesitation, or limitation. It's being all ears. Here, with this kind of obedience, the one who obeys without restriction of the will obeys all the commands with an all-out desire to live out God's will. So what we do is we listen and obey. We listen for the Lord and those opportunities that will move us with compassion to live out that compassion rather than other alternatives the world presents today whether on social media or in the streets I'm not saying we shouldn't protest but there's something different about these protests you know back when Martin Luther King Jr. protested there was prayer behind it and maybe that's another answer right there huh because Jesus did a lot of praying while he was on this earth and prayer is not not doing anything It's one way we can be obedient and compassionate. So when I left you a voicemail yesterday, you know the robocall? I said there's two passages of Scripture to read. If you didn't read them, that's okay, because I'm going to sum up right now, but the Holy Spirit changed things on the way to church this morning. I'd asked you in, in the in the robocall to read Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 to 46 and and that's where Jesus separates the sheep and the goats and and the sheep are surprised Lord when did we see you hungry or naked or sick and 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 feed you or take care of you or clothe you or visit you I picked that one because I like the whole clothe thing and that all lined up 
And Jesus answered the sheep, Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And I think that list he puts in there, they're acts of compassion. And then you have the goats who did those things and the Lord did not know them because maybe they are virtue signaling or activists. I don't know. But then the Lord provided this scripture on the way here. And I'll read this and then close in prayer. John chapter 17 verses 20 and 23. This is Jesus' prayer before He went to the cross. Specifically for you and for me. The believers who would come after the disciples. Because I don't want to preach this message about compassion and you think, okay, I have to go out and work, work, work and be compassionate. Because that's how, that's how I'm not a goat. That's not it. It's not our works that get us into heaven. And you can fire me if I ever preach that. But it's our relationship with the Lord. The relationship we have with the Father through the Son and the life we have in the Holy Spirit. Our response and love to Him that we serve Him and compassionately serve others. And I don't want you to think we do that on our own. The God of compassion is with us. And that was Jesus' prayer. And I want you to hear how when we work in relationship with Him to serve compassionately, it'll be successful. John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. My prayer is not for the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. What do you think? When we're in him and he is in us, that'll help us listen, huh? Verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, who's in us? Jesus. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Lord, that's it. You have a new way for us to dress so that others may know your love and compassion. The love that you've shown us and that we've received as Christians. The love and the compassion we have to share because we are your people listening to you, Holy Spirit, to serve those in need from a heart of compassion. 
Thank you. Thank you for this call to be like you, to put on your virtues and your characteristics, to have you in us and working through us to draw the world and reconcile the world to you. Because, Lord, that's why you created the world and everything in it. So thank you for your compassion. Thank you that we can share your love and compassion. And Lord, may you bless us. Help us have our ears on and our eyes open to how we can love and serve you wherever you may have us. And we'll keep on giving you all the praise and glory. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene, on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.